0: Hi, this is Veronica Henke in a bunker at the USDA Forest Service's Midewin National Tallgrass Prairie. You are listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1.
1: Uh, Why did you come out here? Well, because all my life I, I wanted to be a farmer. I wanted to get away from the rat race of the city. Come out and breathe the fresh air. They live in the sunshine. Plant the little seeds in the rich brown earth. Watch them push themselves up through the soil, reaching up toward the blue sky and the sunshine till they become corn and wheat and alfalfa. It's a nice speech.
2: Did you like the fife?
1: How's that? She always thinks she hears a fight. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that I love growing things.
2: Yes, even when we lived in Park Avenue in a penthouse, he had a pots farm.
1: A pots farm? Well, I grew corn in flower pots.
3: It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio, flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611.
4: Good planets are hard to find Temperate zones and tropic climes True currents and thriving seas Wind blowing through breathing trees Strong ozone and safe sunshine Whoa, Good planets are
0: Good planets this week's show is brought to you by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood direct to your door.
3: And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova
1: and welcome to the show we're very happy to be indoors this week because uh it's so, coming down pretty good it's a outside
0: soggy out of doors i
1: know but you know timing is everything mm-hmm. last week we were at when national Tallgrass prairie and boy did we have a great time boy was that fun you you heard at the top of the show, uh, Veronica Hinky from the uh, USDA Forest Service, uh, giving the show countdown mm-hmm. from inside a bunker. Uh, we were very near there, uh, and uh, out on the prairie, and a lot of great folks came by and said hi. And uh, we got to do it again. Yeah, just uh, go, so as, cool. as long as it's not raining. We're 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 fine with that. And, and by the way, I want to thank the crew here, Randall and Andrew. And Ellie, uh, who were behind the scenes last week. We didn't give you your your, your props at the end of the show because we ran out of time, but uh, they were the reason we were able to put it together. And uh, the podcast goes up this afternoon. And I will just say there's a few little breakups in the uh, first part, but then everything sort of calms down, and we were very pleased with uh, the way it went. Sometimes, uh, you know, it was all it was all about the phone connection. It was all about the cell line. Um, when you're
0: broadcasting from the middle of a prairie. You, it comes and goes. Sometimes those
1: things happen. So, uh, welcome to the show. And today, now, uh, boy, each week there's something different. We have a couple of folks in the studio. If you're watching live on Facebook, you're you're thinking, who is that? Uh, and that on my left, your right is Mark. Now, how do you pronounce your last name, Mark? Dvorak?
5: Yes. yes.
6: Okay.
1: No, not the Dvorak.
5: Well, either one's acceptable. Uh, uh,
1: did your family ever use Dvorak? No,
5: no. I got introduced one time uh, at the University of Chicago at an event, and the woman said, how do I say your name, Dvorak or Dvorak? And I said, well, my grandpa always said Dvorak. She goes, mm-hmm. okay. And D- then, she, all right. then she introduced me and said our next guest is a young man who doesn't even know how to pronounce his own name.
7: <laughs> <laughs> uh, people have been saying that oh, about me for years. Yeah, it's
1: I been mean, like that <laughs> uh, you know nohack no vac no wak no waka 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 uh yeah whatever uh well, i'll t- i'll take I like
0: my last name too it 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 doesn't get spelled properly or said correctly most of the time
1: uh and stephanie. Uh, is also in the room with us. And how do you pronounce your last name?
4: My last name is pronounced
1: Schroet. Schroet. Yes. So Mark Dvorak and Stephanie Schroet. And now that we've got the names correct, that's all the time we have, folks. <laughs> all, right. all right. Back
4: out in the rain. <laughs> and,
1: and Mark has his guitar. Sure. Pick that uh, puppy up there, Mark. Right. Uh, what you need to know about Mark is that um, he's kind of, uh, I have to say it, he's an icon. He's an icon in Chicago. He's been around a long, long time uh, playing music, playing guitar, playing banjo, writing songs, singing songs, um, being part of the community, the mu- musical community, a teacher at the old old school, old, uh, old town school of folk music, which not, is not even in Old Town anymore. And and uh, hasn't been for a long time. Uh, and what else? What am I missing? Oh, uh, that's, that's plenty. Because it, 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 it goes on and on and on. You could go to his website, which I have linked at mikenovac.net. But the reason he's here, and the reason that Stephanie's here, is we're going to be promoting something called Folktoberfest, which is next week. Uh, Do you you want to hit those? Uh, I'm I'm getting closer. I love the bell. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can do
0: that on the guitar, though.
1: Yeah, you could do something like that, right? (laughs) Well, we're 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 about to break. Here, have a bell. (laughs) <laughs> we're about to break, um, and, and so let's play a little something as we go out. Next, we're going to have our uh, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, uh, which is Holly and Joey Baird. We're going to talk your veggie questions, but Mark and Stephanie are in the studio for the first hour, at least, and we'll get to Folktoberfest and play some music and have some fun today. We're very, very pleased that they're here. Is that, are you making that up as you go along?
3: Yes.
5: D major. chord <laughs> Court change. Maybe you'll all sing with me. Inch by inch.
1: And we'll finish it later. We'll be right back.
0: This is Peggy Malecki. The end of summer doesn't mean the end of growing season. That's when I bring tropicals, scented geraniums, and herbs onto my porch, plug in my Happy Leaf LED grow lights, and watch them thrive all winter long. 50000 plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, summer light in the middle of winter.
1: From boat to doorstep.
2: Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed down the highway 0 to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2018 Tesla Model X, the award winning all electric SUV, and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Come on, we all know fossil fuels are going the way of the dinosaurs, but you don't have to. Switch your ride to an electric car by entering the 2018 Illinois Solar Energy Association raffle. All it takes is one ticket for $100 or increase your chances by getting four tickets for $300 at illinoisolar.org. So bury your fossil fuel car, go green with Tesla, and be part of a cleaner tomorrow. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association. A nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. Winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 6, 2018, and does not need to be present. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible, so get your tickets, the rules, and other small print details at illinoisolar.org today.
8: sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. Inch by inch,
5: row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Pull in weeds, pick in stones. We are made of dreams and bones. I feel the need to grow my own, and the time is here at hand. Grain for grain, the sun and rain, weave my way through nature's chain. Tune my body and my brain to the music of this land. Let's sing together. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe And a piece of fertile ground Inch by inch Inch by inch Row by row Someone bless these seeds I sow Someone warm them from below Till the rain comes tumbling down Dig your rows straight and long Sow your seeds and sing your song. The good black earth will keep you strong if you give her love and care. That old crow watching hungrily from his perch in yonder tree. In my garden, I'm as free as that feathered thief up there.
1: Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That is Mark Dvorak. And we'll be talking more to him uh, in a little bit about Folktoberfest uh, next week, uh, sponsored by Music and Potlucks. And uh, Stephanie is here in the studio as well, and it will be part of the Oak Park Arts District uh, presentation. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But right now, we have a couple of our friends on the show who appear regularly, uh, and uh, let's bring in. The Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, and I say that singular, but it's two people, Holly and Joey Baird. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah,
9: how We're are doing you? Good. I, Good morning.
1: I, it's like talking to mom and dad, kind. I, I back in the day when I was on Gargantua radio down the dial, I would, I would uh, occasionally have mom and dad on the show and. And, and they actually a couple of times sang Polish Christmas carols. Uh, you guys, uh, and, the, and it makes me think of it because you guys are on separate lines there. Uh, you're, uh, of course, my folks would get on the, one would get on the extension, but I think it's funny that we call you on different lines to have you guys. Are you guys anywhere near each other this morning? No, we're not. Ah! Uh, no, we're not. Not this morning. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why we're doing it. Okay. Uh, will you sing a Polish Christmas carol for us, if I ask? Um, I don't not, know anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. No, sorry. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen.
9: You don't. You don't. You don't want me to sing.
1: No. Okay. Well, we've got. Uh, no. You no. Don't, See, you don't want that. No. Mark is horrified here in the studio because he thinks anybody can sing, right? Well, all you do is you open your mouth, you let the words out, and there you go. And it doesn't matter. And people do it in church all the time. So. Oh, we love it. And in the shower, and wherever else. Uh I, I do you guys often have uh, musical guests come in and uh and play their uh play your way into a show segment about veggies?
10: Not not yet we oh. have
1: but no. You gotta do that. Bring in some live music, it's really fun. This is uh, a a great way to go and it uh, it's uh it's very inspiring on uh on a Sunday morning. Uh so uh hey you guys, uh what's uh down here this morning, um it's, it's rainy, soggy. it's soggy. It's it's going to get coolish by the end of the week. It's going to get really coolish. Uh, uh, Rick DeMaio will be telling us about that later. But apparently, by next weekend, we're going to be in the 50s down here for daytime highs. Uh, so things are changing in your vegetable garden, aren't they, uh, Joey?
10: Yes, yes. Uh, it's been very wet and soggy. Typically, we would have planted garlic already, but we didn't because of the sogginess. Now, we could have what they call mudded in. But it wouldn't have been enjoyable at all, and it would have been a mess. So we postponed that for one week, and we'll plant garlic next week instead of the first Saturday of October like we normally mm-hmm. do.
1: Yeah. So uh, tell me about that, that window of opportunity to plant garlic. How long can folks get away with that? Because this is the way I roll holly and joey uh and by the way if you want information on them you should go to their website which is the wisconsinvegetablegardener.com you can find that link at net. Uh, i want to make sure folks uh, know that you have videos and audios and uh, advice uh, on gardening in the upper midwest um, and uh, folks can take advantage of that anytime by going to your website or listening to your radio show which is on saturday mornings uh for what an- another couple of weeks until the end of October. Yeah, until yeah. The end of October. Uh, in uh, Milwaukee at WNOV, right? 60 AM and 106.5 cool. FM. Uh, so we've got all that out of the way. So when I garden, I'm always trying to figure out what I can get away with. All right, how late can I plant something? How early can I get away with it? How, how long before I harvest before it just turns into mush or whatever else? So, what about garlic? How how late? Can you plant garlic in the fall?
10: As, as long as the soil can be worked, you can get it in the ground. If you can chisel it in the ground, you're good. The, 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 the rule is, or the unwritten rule is, you want to get it in the ground about 30 days before your first hard freeze. That will allow the garlic clove to root, get developed under the ground. You might have a little surface growth, and then it goes into dormancy. That's the general rule. Uh, some people will plant it in the spring. We had tried that this year with some success, but it's best to plant it in about 30 days before the ground freezes to allow that development of the roots, and then it'll go in dormancy, and then it'll uh, sprout as soon as the soil warms in the spring.
1: So tell me about your uh, spring plantings. Uh, you say you had some success with that. What do you mean?
10: Uh, we had very small
9: bulbs. Uh,
1: what was that, uh, Holly?
9: It was, as Joy had said, it was very small. The bulbs were small. So we had some success, but it wasn't – the bulbs weren't as large as when we planted in October and then harvested it in late June, early
1: July. Mm-hmm. Well, but uh, that's uh, a word of encouragement to people like me who, who might not get it in in the fall. And then I say in the spring, oh, gosh, I wish I'd gotten my garlic in. Uh, you can still do that. So if you're going to plant in the spring, do you plant it as soon as the ground – is uh, warm enough to take the uh, bulbs?
10: Well, you want to plant as right. soon as you as soon can you get the down. ground to work, and oh. then you want you want cold hours on on that bulb in order for it to develop co- correctly. So, if mm-hmm. you can get it in the ground on a warm day in February, and then you have three or four or five weeks of really fluctuating cold, freeze, cold, freeze, warm, you're you're better off that way to get a good bulb development.
1: Uh, we're talking to the Wisconsin vegetable gardener. That's Holly and Joey Baird uh, up in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, speaking of bulbs, I'll, 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 in getting away with stuff, I can tell you that we're about to get into bulb planting season—daffodils uh, and tulips. I mean, we're in it mm-hmm. uh, right now. This is about the time that a lot of folks do that. And and what happens a lot of times is I'll get a phone call, I'll get an email in December after everything's frozen, and the folks will say, or or even sometimes in the spring, you know, I didn't get my bulbs in the ground. Um, what should I do with them? Should I just store them again until uh, the next season comes around? And my advice is always just put it in the ground as soon as you can. Just get it in. See some, what happens. Get some soil in there. I once planted uh, some spring-blooming bulbs on January 15th, I remember this, it was like 60 degrees outside, the ground warmed up enough for me to work it. I slammed those bulbs that had been sitting in my, wherever, in my basement or wherever for months, put them in the ground, and about half of them bloomed. Hmm. It was unbelievable. Uh, So it's amazing what nature will allow you to get away with. Now, I don't advise it, and you're not going to find that in any book, but if you got a, a, a bulb that... You know, hasn't been planted in a long time, and I'm talking about the the spring blooming. Uh, my advice is just get it in some soil. Just give it a chance. Give it give it a chance to to send up some leaves and maybe get some energy in it at some point, and uh, you you'll be surprised. Uh, let's get back to your veggie right. garden. Uh, did, did you want anything? Add anything to that, uh, Joey?
10: Yeah, yeah. My my grandfather's eighty two years old and he's an old time farmer and he says stuff grow, grows a lot better in the ground than in a bag in the garage. <laughs>
1: All right, that that's... Yay, Grandpa. <laughs> and he's right. Yep. I mean, it just makes It just
0: shrivels in the garage. It just makes yeah. sense
1: if people say, well, I'll just store it until the right time. Well, no, no, you've already stored it too long, so give it some soil. Get it in the ground. That's what I say anyway.
0: So, so what else is still growing in your veggie garden? Oh, uh, you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, we have a lot of stuff. We actually still have a lot of tomatoes,
9: but those are coming near and we'll have to see what happens after next week and it's supposed to get quite cold and we have
1: beans
9: a lot of kale oh yeah kale Uh, kale. my kale is
1: rocking yeah Um,
9: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, kale is always one of those stragglers
1: uh, oh but yeah you gotta love that because it just keeps going and going and going and uh, Mm -hmm. probably not so much up your way but down here if you have a mild enough winter um it sometimes it'll overwinter uh, I have seen it happen. Yeah,
9: we had that we've had that happen when we've had warm winters where we didn't have a lot of freeze or snow. So yeah. So Kale definitely still um pretty much everything else is done, I would say. What do you think, Joey, besides We've
10: got Brussels sprouts oh, that I'm excited about we've got
9: very Yeah, Brussels the Brussels sprouts. sprouts.
1: Oh, we have a we have a garlic. You can just say it, Peggy. We have a garlic question. Uh, where is it? From? So, okay. we,
0: um, one of our listeners, Andrew, wants to know: Is there a milder variety of garlic, not as pungent, that's good to plant right now? What are what are some good hardneck, mild garlics?
9: I would say that the German Hardy was more mild.
0: Mm-hmm.
9: Was one of them? And with any
10: garlic that you grow in the backyard. If- If you're going to use it, use it as quarter strength of what you normally would have used a commercially uh, store-bought garlic because the intensity is so much more flavorful. Mm -hmm. If you use 100%, you're going to be very unhappy with the taste. It's going to be too intense for you just because of the the nature of the plant.
1: Okay. There you go. Uh, I want to get back real quickly to the tomato question uh, because I'm sure, uh, Holly, like you, and a lot of us have tomatoes still on the vine, and we're, we're trying to figure out how late we can keep them up without destroying the crop that's left. Uh, what kind of advice do you give for that?
9: Sure. So if it's going, if there is a hard freeze or a frost that's predicted, you at that point can decide you can cover your tomatoes if you want, or you can pull them off the vine and then just let them ripen naturally. But we've had several times where there's been a warning for a hard freeze or hard frost and it doesn't occur. Mm. So it's kind of like you take your chances. There's really no (laughs) exact answer as to what you should do. You kind of feel it out now. We're approaching middle of October. We'll probably just have to pull the tomatoes off the Mm vine. But if it was like mid-September, most of the time you're okay.
1: Yeah, so you're in that 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 period where you really got to pay attention to the weather. Look for the hard freeze. Uh, with us in the city of Chicago, and probably in well, Milwaukee, ninety miles north, things are different. But in an urban area, you you get to buy a few degrees there. Usually, if it's going to be uh, frost out in the burbs, I don't worry about it because with the heat island effect, it, I'm in the middle of the city, and I usually just let things go. Mm-hmm. But, Peggy, that's a little different up your way because you're Highland Park, so that's... Uh,
0: Although being close to the lake, it, we get the frost later, typically. Y-
1: as well. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I was
9: just I was going to say that they always say, like, the inland areas yeah. are safer as opposed to the outer line areas right. as
0: well. But doesn't it also get to the point where the tomato plants just aren't going to grow any further when it's so chilly?
9: Yeah, they are tropical plants. Yeah, They're going to stop growing, stop putting on flowers, yeah, et cetera. So we're we're definitely getting to that point now.
1: Well, yeah, and I think the most
9: tomatoes, you can pull pull them out, pull them out, pull them off. And then move on to whatever else you're doing. Same
1: with the peppers. And... Well, yeah, and all I'm saying is that I think most of us are looking at our plants, at the tomatoes that have some kind of size to them, and yeah, saying "Please you know,
0: ripen, please yes, ripen." Yes, please.
1: And any any day now, you can go ahead and do that. <laughs> hey, listen, we just got a couple of minutes, so tell me what you guys are doing in terms of soil prep, looking ahead to the winter and next spring. Right now, go ahead, Holly.
9: Oh, every fall we take we take the leaves, leaves that have fallen, and we put them on our garden bed we don't do much with them we used to shred them but now we don't really have time for that so we just place the leaves on the different portions of the garden and then they break down over winter they add nutrients to the soil and then in the spring if we have like say we started with three feet of leaves over that area by the time spring comes around they're down to maybe six inches to a foot because of how they break down over the winter with everything
1: do you want to add anything to that, Joey?
9: Uh, and, and when we talk about bringing leaves, in, we we bring leaves, and
10: last year we calculated we brought in about two thousand pounds of untread leaves from our property, the neighbor's property, the street. <laughs> wow! We just brought it in and just heaved it over the over the garden bed, <laughs> and then in the spring, when we're going to plant, we move the leaves back, plant our starts if that's what we're planting, and then bring the mulch, uh, the, the mm. living mulch, which is the leaves back and let it break down by. June, you can't even tell we did anything because it fed the soil all spring
0: long.
1: Yeah, and uh, leaves, of course, are one of nature's greatest natural resources. Take advantage of it, folks, Uh, and something they're free too. Yeah, (laughs) they are. Especially if your neighbors are trying to throw them away, grab them, bring them into your yard. And the other thing you can do is, if you're not gardening and tilling into anything uh, or you're covering a garden bed. Uh, just leave them where they fall in your yard and uh, insects over winter. Uh, Holly and Joey, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to talk again soon. The WisconsinVegetableGardener.com. Uh, take care and uh, have a great Sunday. Those amazing green folks at McHenry County College are at it again. The 11th annual Green Living Expo returns on Saturday, November 3rd, and it's better than ever. New this year is the Clean Transportation Exhibit featuring electric cars and bikes. The College Solar and Super Mileage Team race cars are back, and this year they're bringing a hybrid engine truck. There's a 2,500-gallon fish tank where you can see many species of Fox River fish. Visit with area farms, CSAs, and other organizations to learn more about local agriculture. There are 100 green exhibits, local food purveyors, sustainable artists, and vendors of all kinds, even on-site battery recycling. The Green Living Expo is free and open to the public. Peggy and I will be there. Come and join us. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 3rd, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Go to mchenry.edu slash green expo.
0: Fall is a perfect time to reflect on the beauty of trees. And your memory about a favorite tree could win you tickets to illumination tree lights at the Morton Arboretum this coming holiday season. Or you could get a spot in an open lands treekeeper course. Just tell a story about a tree that has special meaning to you. To enter, submit your tree story online for the end of October to Tremendous Trees, a project of the Morton Arboretum and Open Lands. Go to tree-stories.org.
1: If you're a landscaper, educator, administrator, or even a homeowner who's figured out that a couple of junipers and a lawn ain't sustainable, the 2018 Impact Conference is for you. Presented by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, this day-long event looks at how plant communities, soil, natural lawn care, stormwater management, and designing for habitat are long overdue parts of smart landscaping. Impact is October 16th at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Go to ilca.net slash impactconference. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at
8: 3450 West Devon Avenue. Visit them on the web at fastsigns.com 80.
5: Ruben, you can play your banjo all night long We've been waiting all your life just to hear you play your song Ruben, you can play your banjo all night long We'll be setting around the fire just in case we can play along when I was just 16, I had a, I was just 16. I had a little dream about playing on my daddy's banjo. Oh when I picked it up and it made a sound. I found I couldn't let the darn thing go. You know it felt so good. I knew that I could play to let the music flow. I would hit those strings just to hear them ring when I played my old banjo. Oh, Reuben, you can play your banjo all night long. We've been waiting all your life just to hear you play your song. Reuben, you can play your banjo all night long. We'll be setting around the fire just in case we can play along.
1: Dvorak, and uh, we're happy to have him here in the studio with Stephanie Schroth. Uh, Stephanie is a founder and co-director of Music and Potlucks, an organization dedicated to nourishing the community by presenting cultural programs to support community agencies, and that's why Mark is here. Actually, we we ran into Mark. The the reason all of mm-hmm. this is happening today is because of the good people at Angelic Organics Learning Center who had their uh, Harvest Moon dinner several weeks ago, and Peggy and I were part of the committee, the honorary committee, Uh, so I got to just relax and have a dinner and uh, go walk out by the lake. and Listen to great music. And unfortunately, he was stuck inside playing and entertaining people, but you like doing that, don't you? Oh, it was a wonderful event, my goodness, and
5: uh, what what a stroke of luck to come into contact with that group. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the board members... uh, it was off and on a student of mine, and so he uh, he, he made the connection, and uh, it was just a beautiful evening. And uh, you, how long have you been teaching music? Um, I've been in, uh, teaching at the Old Town School of Folk Music now for th-
1: <laughs> 31 <laughs> years. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've been playing softball longer than that, yes, so there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, well, and, we, and I don't think we said it on air. I think we were talking uh, on Facebook Live before we actually went mm-hmm. on that Mark and I know each other from softball days with the Chicago Theater mm-hmm. Softball League. And uh, what I asked him off air was, how how does a guy who who makes his living playing musical instruments with his fingers go out and play sixteen inch <laughs> softball with no mitt? Uh, I mean, I I know people who have fingers that are turned sideways because yeah. of that game. Yeah. Are you okay? Uh, I'm better.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it get, you know, when you're a kid, you play ball, and 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 uh, and then you get a little older, and your your brain sees the ball, and your brain says, "Go get it," and your body says let 's talk, <laughs> and, uh, but it was fun i love loved the game and love the people uh on our team and uh, it was It was a fun time you remember and, what team you were in um and, and it was um no i don't remember the, <laughs> the, the name of it and uh it was uh but I enjoyed it and uh and but then, uh, and was, I
1: should mention to people in the other in other parts of the country who are listening to this, and there are. Uh, some because we're we're in various cities around the country. Now, um, a lot of you have no idea what 16 inch softball right. is. Mm-hmm. That's a it's a big sucker, and you don't wear a mitt to play it. Yeah. Well, but that's the one thing that changed in the theater league is women are now allowed yep, to use sure. mitts which is really fair because their hands are smaller That's generally correct. yeah and uh it really evened up the game and it's and it's a lot more fun it was fun. that way mm-hmm. yeah and so yeah uh, uh so if you take a ball the wrong way um first of all you either sprain it or you break it or you just move it sideways mm-hmm. and you know i've watched people just boom, pop pop their finger back out uh ow. after uh, ow, ow, yeah ow. it's yeah there's a lot there's a few always there so that's that's the whole 16 inch uh, softball culture but the other culture we want to talk about is folktoberfest folktober um and which is the second year uh uh yes uh Stephanie mm-hmm. and tell us tell us tell us first of all a little bit about music and potlucks and then let's go into folktober
4: okay well uh some friends and i were talking after the uh the presidential election and uh folks were seemed to be wanting to get together, and we were trying to to figure out a way to bring people together and to find some comfort in each other. And so we we talked about music, and at that time, um, Mark was posting on Facebook about sing-alongs he was um, performing at in Wisconsin, I think. And so I sent him an email and asked if he would be interested in um, helping us out with the sing-along, and that's how our first event started, and we just decided to keep going with it.
1: And it's for a great cause. You're mm-hmm. you're helping folks who need food get access to food. Tell me about some of the organizations you're working mm-hmm. for.
4: So um, one of the foundational principles of our organization is not only do we bring people together uh, for musical performances and for sing-alongs, but we also always pass the tambourine and raise money for three local organizations. Mm-hmm. One is the Oak Park River Forest Food Pantry. The other is Housing Forward, which is a um, house, it's a homeless shelter, and they also uh, work to help people find housing. And the other is the Oak Park River Forest Community Foundation. Uh, there's a fund there called the so- Songs for Peace and Justice Fund, which uh, provides funding for local musicians to play for our neighbors who utilize social service agencies in the Oak Park River Forest area.
1: That's fantastic. Uh- now let's uh, get into some of the specifics here. Maybe Mark, you can help us with that because mm-hmm. I imagine that these uh, a lot of these musicians are people you've played with before. Yes, even you can even grab the uh, <laughs> and
0: grab the cheat sheet. There, the, there's
1: a cheat sheet. We got a press release. We got we're, we're set. We, you know, if anybody blanks, we just somebody will pick up the. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Can we hire you just to come in here and do that on Sundays? Is that all? I'd love it. All yeah, right, fantastic. Get donuts. <laughs> well, if, if Andrew comes through next week. Uh, Mark will be back. Um, so Friday, October twelfth, we start uh, at the District Kitchen and Tap, which is at two twenty Harrison in Oak Park. Uh, the FTF Acoustic Jam. What is that?
5: Folktoberfest Acoustic Jam, and uh, it, it's uh, it's kind of a takeoff of of our our weekly gatherings at the Old Town School of Folk Music, and and we get together in, uh uh, on Tuesdays at this neat little pub next to the school, and every Thursday at the Old Town School. And everybody's welcome to bring their instrument. Uh, we invite people who don't play instruments but want to sing along. And if you if you just want to listen, you're sure welcome to come. And, um, and I guess uh, I'll be kicking things off and trying to involve people in some familiar uh, songs, things like... This land was made for you and me, and things that people might already know. And everybody's welcome to bring a song that they love, a song that others can join in on. And that happens uh, in a kind of a new place in um, Oak Park, the District Kitchen and Tap, a really a neat kind of pizza fire oven. Uh, what do they call it? A brick, oven. Oven pizza. brick oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got great food, and uh, and so we're we're. This to me is is one of the real key um activities of our group and we feel that involving people in their own music is a is an imp- not only it's it's important for people to have a place to connect with one another well and feel safe
1: doing That's it. That's right. You know and if you've got uh fifty guitars in the room yep. you're you're not worried you're gonna hit the wrong chord at some point, right? No,
5: we we welcome it and and some people bring their song books and song sheets, but mostly we just go by Things we already know mm-hmm. and things that are simple uh, to pick up. And, uh, and
4: Beginners are welcome.
5: Beginners are especially welcome. Mm-hmm. And, um,
1: and, and did you do this last year?
5: Uh, last year we had kind of a – Stephanie is really good at coming up with catchy titles. And she goes, we want to have a festival. And I said, who's we? <laughs> and I said, slow down, slow down. And we wound up uh, doing a, a, a one-day event last year for Folktoberfest. And it turned out we did some classes at the uh, – what What church was that?
4: First United Church First, of Oak Park. First
5: United Church of Oak Park. We had tiers of classes and mm-hmm. then a big jam session in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then we had a nice little uh, picnic lunch at Stephanie's home and mm-hmm. then an evening uh, concert.
1: And you right. realized that you yeah. just couldn't hold all this talent in one day you had to have a second day and so you you brought that in yeah uh, that's how stephanie thinks and uh (laughs) our
4: events are never the same so
1: we've got two minutes let's go quickly through the other two uh saturday october 13th at val's halla records at 239 harrison the uh, folktober showcase concert um it also features a seven dollar and 34 cent supper i should know what that is i don't can you explain that i'll try i'll try my best
5: um the name of the group is, is $11 Supper, mm-hmm. and it's three women, and um, one of them, uh, Amanda Helan, lives in Nashville. So when, when there's only Samantha uh, K. Mills and Michelle Billingsley in town, they, they did the math. 7 they're very, they're very cute. Yeah, that's right. They're very cute, and they're very talented, so they're going to have their duet. Acoustic Neighbors is a lovely ensemble. Stephanie plays the bass in that group. Oh, and uh, and you're a gardener. You brought in some
1: of your own produce today. Oh yeah, That's Stephanie mm-hmm. does it all as well. Yeah, it's huh? just
5: the start. She's wonderful and an enthusiastic supporter of all things good.
1: Then on Saturday, October 13th, the Buzz Cafe, 905 yep. South Lombard, twenty bucks to benefit music and potlucks uh, at 6 p.m. Drop Note String Band. Yep. And then seven p.m. a tribute to Pete Seeger. That's right.
5: We, uh, the Drop Note String Band, is Oak Park's favorite, and they'll be playing during dinner at the Buzz. The Buzz Cafe mm-hmm. has created a special menu for the event, and af- and after dinner, um, we have our tribute to Pete Seeger, and all of that. That's our. Fundraising event. So tickets are $20? twenty. Twenty mm-hmm. dollars. Yep, at Brown Paper Tickets. And we will be passing the tamper the tambourine. Too. And uh, I have that link to brown paper tickets on wonderful. my website,
1: mikenovac.net All right, when we come back, we're gonna to have to hear a little Pete Seeger, right? Yes, All right, Mark Dvorak. Uh it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We shall return.
3: Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day.
1: Hi, this is Ron Calga from Mighty House. We're on every Saturday from 7 to 10 a.m. right here, live on 1590 WCGO.
5: As I went walking, my ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. Oh, I roamed and I rambled. I followed my footsteps to the sparkling sands of her diamond desert. While all around me a voice was sounding, this land was made for you and me. Sing it with me. This land is your land, this land is my land. From California to the New York Island. From the redwood forest, to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. One bright Sunday morning, in the shadow of the steeple, by the relief office, oh, I saw our people. They stood there hungry, and I stood there wondering, if this land was made for you and me One more time now This land is your land This land is my land From California To, to the New, New York Island. Island From the Redwood Forest To, to the Gulf, Gulf Stream waters This land was made for you and me
1: Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That's Mark Dvorak on the guitar. Uh, now you mentioned Pete Seeger, but that's that's a Woody Guthrie tune.
5: Yeah, it's a Woody Guthrie tune. Woody wrote that song, and and it wasn't uh, Woody. I guess uh, never really thought much of it actually. And its original title was "God Bless America" for me, hmm. and um, and he he wrote it in response to. Uh, a very popular song in the 1940s god bless america and a song which he did not uh, have much regard for because uh, of his upbringing and growing of coming of age during the dust bowl and then he was out in california with all the migrant workers mm-hmm. and he hitchhiked across the country a few times he saw a very different america than the one portrayed in god bless america and his his daughter Nora told a very uh, interesting story about that song. Is 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 he wanted it to be uh, uh, a song that made a comment on the state of affairs in America at that time? But he he mixed in these beautiful sweeping images of the American landscape, and then um, and then he'd put in a verse like the the one we just sang mm-hmm. together about the the people waiting in line for for food. And, um, and the last verse, uh, often gets omitted is, uh, nobody living can ever stop me as I go walking my freedom highway. Nobody living will make me turn back. This land was made for you and me. And it's a very, very powerful song. And, and, uh, I've been singing it my whole life and uh, so far. And, um, I just think it's, uh, such a, just a cool song. And, and, and no matter where you are, you you start those verses, people know it, mm-hmm. you know, and
1: they know that song. They yeah. know that song. It's uh, that is much as anything should be the national anthem of America.
5: Well, in in a way, it is, you know, and and I mean, I've sung that with children, I've sung that at at uh, uh, at a VFW hall, and all the veterans got up and stood and saluted and. And, uh, you know, it, it it says something. It's a, the song speaks to people where no matter what your politics are, that song speaks yeah.
1: to people. We could use Woody Guthrie right now. We could use mm-hmm. Pete Seeger yep. right now. That's right. So I guess you have to pick up the mantle. Well, well, we all have to pick it up. Right.
5: And yeah. And 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 I love it. But your harmony on on the chorus here we are on a talk show radio and yet instantaneously we we made harmony and 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 there's a man named Windstrocky who was the founder of the old town school we became friends late in his life and on two different separate occasions Windstrocky said to me and Pete Seeger said almost the exact same thing to me he said never underestimate the power of bringing harmony into the world it's here and it's and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on and and, uh, and, and that, that's the, the, the very essence of what we're trying to create with our community programs. And, and we decided a long time ago to not try something for a thousand-seat concert hall.
1: We want it in living rooms. Mm-hmm. We want it in social settings. And, want, in, and in little taverns like you're yeah, doing next weekend and benefiting people right. who, who are not benefited from the stock market. Right. or the nasdaq right. and and what they watch those numbers go up as I do, and I say that bears no relationship to my world. I don't know what that means that that you might as well be speaking in a foreign language because right. I don't understand it does not compute right. because I know what people what is happening to people in our country and how they are suffering, and we need to step up and change that
5: yes and 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 you know the the reality is is i, I I can't fix it, and you can't fix it, but we can all identify what's the opportunity that we can go in mm-hmm. and help something, help someone make a small change. and, and, and So I think this is really the future of, of folk music and living rooms. Is living room music and community music is, is the new musical revolution, and, and we, try to, we try to put our programs in places where people already go. And instead of having them come to a theater or something, people are already at the Buzz Cafe. It's a very right. popular spot. And then on on October 13th, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, if
1: you want more information about Folktoberfest next uh, October 12th and 13th, that's next weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, go to my website, Uh You can also... Um, well just go there cuz you got the links you got there the brown is. paper tickets yep. it's it's all there uh stephanie i want you to have a couple words before we uh finish this up because you deal with these people on an everyday level as well so mm-hmm. um maybe talk a little bit about the power of of music and community to change lives
4: well i um i've seen it firsthand when uh we bring music to the oak park river forest food pantry or to housing forward um our home, our homeless shelter dinners it's kind of amazing how it transforms a space and it helps people to feel at ease and to what you were speaking about before i think this population is just generally overlooked and definitely under supported and if there's any, anything that we can do to help people feel at ease this is this is what the music does for them
1: so. and and we you know we have other organizations on the show and talk to them and none of them ever comes on and say, and says, well, it's, this is great because the number of people needing food and shelter and help is really drastically declining. Mm -hmm. I never hear that. Uh, What I hear is it's going up and it's always going up. And that's sad. (laughs) (laughs)
5: That's right. And, and
1: And that wasn't very profound, but it is sad. It's the truth. It's the truth. Mm -hmm. And, uh,
5: Stephanie, by the way, is on the board of the Oak Park River Forest Food Pantry, mm-hmm. and her uh, colleague Betsy Bacchus uh, is the president of the She's board. She's president of the board. And yeah. our other friend Liz Zeal
6: mm-hmm.
5: uh, is is our quartet of people who make up music in potlucks. And I'll tell you what.
1: And I'm going to have you pick up that guitar sure. before we get out of here because well, these,
5: uh, these these. Three women uh, are hard to keep up with. Let me tell you, they—they they have a vision. They get things
1: done. And and I'm I'm only pointing to you because we've got about 30 seconds okay. here, and I want you to play out. We'll play out. Uh, play that song. Um, it's it'll be better when it's better. I kind of like that. I suppose because this is a Mark Dvorak song on his new CD. Time ain't got nothing on me.
5: The sky is falling down and the crick is coming up that old rickety bridge. Lord is running out of luck. Nothing left to do but let the river overflow. It'll be better. It'll be better. It'll be better when it's better, I suppose. It'll be better. It'll be better. It'll be better when it's better, I suppose. The times are getting harder, and the money's getting tight, and the cost of living's killing me. Nothing's going right now, the polar cap is melting, and the desert's gonna blow. It'll be better, it'll be better, it'll be better, when it's better, I suppose. It'll be better, it'll be better, it'll be better, when it's better, I suppose. When I was a little kid I did what I was told Now I go to work each morning in a corporate blindfold I'm feeling like it's getting late, the gate is gonna close It'll be better, it'll be better It'll be better when it's better I suppose It'll be better, it'll be better It'll be better when it's better I suppose I dug myself a hole and I fell right in A man comes along asking me where I've been He said he never really cared, he just lets the four winds blow. It'll be better, it'll be better, it'll be better when it's better, I suppose. It'll be better, it'll be better, it'll be better when it's better, I suppose. I sat down and wrote a letter to the President and I asked him where the hell he thought the Constitution when he tweeted me this afternoon. He said he didn't know it'll be better. It'll be better. It'll be better when it's better, I suppose. It'll be better. It'll be better. It'll be better when it's better, I suppose. Picking at the scab is never gonna make it heal And every broken bone will teach you how it's really gonna feel The sun is gonna rise again, the rooster's gonna crow It'll be better, it'll be better It'll be better when it's better, I suppose It'll be better, it'll be better It'll be better when it's better, I suppose. Oh, the sky is falling down and the creek is coming up. That old rickety bridge, Lord, is running out of luck. Nothing left to do but let the river overflow. It'll be better. It'll be better. It'll be better when it's better, I suppose. It'll be better. It'll be better. It'll be better when it's better, I suppose.
1: That was a little uh,
8: extra treat. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Worf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus.
1: That is incorrect, Mr.
8: Worf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant
1: author Mike Novak.
8: Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. And so am I.
1: Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century.
8: Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven gosh, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. Aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach catach. Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking.
3: Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup song of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak.
1: All I need is good food to eat. And make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good foodie. All I need is good foodie. All I need is good. Welcome to back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And the first thing I need to do is issue an apology to Bill Turk uh, of playtime <laughs> with Bill Turk and Kerry Kendall. Uh, because we're stealing his gig. All right, for, we've had theater people on the show. We talk about theater shows. We talk about we've got musicians mm-hmm. in here. Uh, but you know, it's 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 all the way to a way to get the audience engaged. Uh, and uh, if you want to, uh, he's threatened to grow a tree. Yes,
0: he threatened to plant a tree. Plant a tree in the studio.
1: In the studio, that's fine. Go for it. I want you to do that. I want to see I, a big one. I want. I, and I want fact, a we, big will,
0: one. we will Facebook Live that. We'll, Bill.
1: We will come in and Facebook. It, well, it'll already be Facebook Live. Uh, by the way, you can catch uh, Playtime with Bill Turk and
0: Carrie Kendall
1: this afternoon at one PM, uh, right here on fifteen ninety WCGO Chicago yeah. Smart Talk.
0: Well, they've got singer songwriter Brandon James on, Kate Mahoney from the Telling Project, Marcy Hill from Chicago Writers Association, and author Donald G. Evans. Plus hashtag Blame Bill.
1: Hashtag Blame Bill. And our hashtag is hashtag Blame Mark Zuckerberg for anything that goes wrong in your life. Uh, we want to give away some stuff.
0: We've got stuff to give away, uh, yes. If
1: you were listening last week, you caught the the end of the show. We had Kelsey Shaw on from Possibility Place Nursery in Monique, Illinois. And by the way, Peggy and I made a f- side trip after the broadcast uh, to go out to Moni and visit Possibility Place, and we got a ride in. What was that contraption we wrote in? A Kubota. A Kubota, which I've never heard of and I can't remember, because so I don't know. As opposed to kombucha? Uh, uh, right, exactly. Why do you know what a Kubota is? Because I do. I mean, have you driven one? Well, K- Kubota is the company
0: that makes them, so they call so, them
1: Kubotas. So, I had no idea. All right, anyway. anyway, Connor Shaw took us out there, and he showed us the trees. Amazing stuff. Um, I mean, they've been doing that 30 years, and and he would, for instance, would go down this one aisle, and he'd say, oh, yeah, that's the uh, recession of 2008. I'm going, what do you mean? Well, they're still growing, all right, because mm-hmm. I couldn't sell them. because Nobody had any money. So, there's a whole line of native trees and he says we've had straight line winds come through here, and they just just fine. They hold up, yeah. and they're still in containers in the ground, and they still they don't fall over. Why? They're anchored. Uh, they're they're doing very well there. At any rate, uh, if you get a chance, you ever get a chance to go down to Moni, visit Possibility Place Nursery. They specialize native plants and trees. Uh, also sell some uh, uh, perennials, native perennials. Although, as I was listening to the edit uh, when mm-hmm. i was doing the podcast um um kelsey says getting a little late to put those in the ground so they don't sell them right now and and all i did was think yeah. uh-oh
0: yeah don't tell the ones sitting out on my patio right now.
1: staring yeah. at you yeah. like mm-hmm. the ones in my backyard yep. staring at me all right let's give away something here um and uh kelsey gave away a an oak box oak box which is a box that has an oak tree in it basically I think
0: it's got a couple of species of it, it could it. be yeah
1: uh, and we're going to do that real the e- real down and dirty easy way, okay? Fifth caller. Fifth caller gets an oak box. Now you got to have a place to put it. Don't don't call if you don't have a place in your yard.
0: He's going to ship it out right away.
1: Yeah. Uh, and you can get it in the ground now for for the fall. Uh so if you've been looking to replace a tree in your yard, give us a call at 877-711-5611. 877-711. Fifty-six eleven, and we will send you an oak box. Uh, Well, actually, Kelsey,
0: Kelsey
1: will. Well, Shaw at Possibility Mm -hmm. Place will send you an oak box. I don't know the species in it right now. Uh, I can find out mystery oak. The mystery oak. Um, Mm -hmm. Now let's. So we'll do that. Eight seven 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 eleven fifty-six eleven. We we we're not going to give away the other. No,
0: this is this is the question about
1: moss. Moss. I tell you what. To the guy, do I, do I have that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cheat sheet for moss. We've only got a couple of minutes here. Um, and I got a, uh, a, uh, an email from listener Stavener, if that's how you pronounce it, um, who, who's trying to grow moss indoors in an Altoid box or two. Uh, I was kind of surprised at that. So he said, uh, how, how do I do this? Uh, and, and basically, don't let it dry out. That's one thing. Don't give it too much sun, that's another. You might want to consider glass a glass terrarium mm-hmm. rather than an altoid a, a metal box a metal box because I'm afraid that that'll dry out faster the metal box because it what a lot of people do they you know, and they and they missed their uh mm-hmm. moss indoors. Um, I saw one site that their professional moss growers, they said, you might want to have a lower pH, a little more acidic. The problem is the soil here in the Midwest is alkaline. So if you're getting it out of your yard, you're probably getting alkaline soil. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, I'm not sure that it makes that much difference because there was only one place that I saw that, you know, we could get. Professional moss growers on here, but it might help also, they say when you put it in, you put like gravel at the bottom, then you put some soil, you compact it a little bit because moss likes that, you make it you wet it, and then you put your moss on top, and then spritz it every couple of days just to make sure yeah, but you don't want it swamp you don't want a swamp in there but you you don't want it to dry out either, so if you're going to grow moss indoors um that's what's uh that's how to do it so uh i I hope that helps Stavonair. Um, if if you got more questions, write to me and I'll try to get them to you. I've never grown moss in an Altoid box at home. <laughs> There's a first. There's a first time for everything. All right, coming up, Marcus De La Fleur. We're going to be talking about the Impact Conference put on by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. From boat to doorstep. This is Mike Novak. One of the best salads I ever had was courtesy of a friend who grew it in her living room using Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. 50,000 plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. What's not to like? Whether you're a beginner or a gardening whiz, these lights are the face of 21st century growing technology. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code Mike. Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, moving the garden to your living room.
0: Fall is a perfect time to reflect on the beauty of trees and your memory about a favorite tree could win you tickets to illumination tree lights at the Morton Arboretum this coming holiday season. Or you could get a spot in an Open Lands Treekeeper course. Just tell a story about a tree that has special meaning to you. To enter, submit your tree story online through the end of October to Tremendous Trees, a project of the Morton Arboretum and Open Lands. Go to tree-stories.org.
2: You're listening to Weekends
1: on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood, located at 3450 West Devon
8: Avenue. Visit them on the web at fastsigns.com/80.
1: Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we're very pleased to welcome back, I think you might be, no, maybe not, you're one of the two people who has been, no, you're probably the longest person between visits to the show. Marcus De Lafleur is with us in uh, the studio, and the last time you were on the show was back when I was at Progresso Radio. Uh, on the south side at Pulaski and 60th wow. is where the studios were. That is a while ago. Yeah, that is a while It was 2009 when Marcus was there because I went and tracked it down the other day. Is it a record to be proud of? I don't know. <laughs> no, we need to have you back more often. I've, I've thought about you over the years because you, you deal with the the issues that we talk about on the show all mm-hmm. the time. He's a, Marcus is a registered landscape architect. Um, and owns uh, the Chicago design and consulting firm De La Fleur, LLC. Um, When I talked to you, you had just recently embarked on a project that maybe you should explain yourself rather than have me stumble over myself. It's very kind of you to describe it as a project. Uh, I refer to it as a black hole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My
11: wife, Kathy, and I, we uh, we purchased a a property in 2009 in North London embarking on a second pilot project uh, the first pilot project uh, we may mention today was the uh the sustainable landscape in elmhurst at 168 m avenue and we bought a, a property in the city and decided this time we're going to do the house and the landscape
6: mm-hmm.
11: so uh, we basically did a deep energy retrofit ripped everything out of the building started rebuilding everything but doing it in an energy efficient way so hopefully at the end once everything is done we have a Net zero energy building, and when did you start that project? Way too long ago.
1: <laughs> well, okay, and, and the reason I ask is, I live in a building, uh, Peggy, too, probably th- that could prob could stand to be retrofitted. Old homes, old homes. Mine, oh, yeah. mine's one hundred and all right, one hundred and thirty years old. Okay,
0: about Mine, mine's around a hundred.
11: Uh, we are one hundred and fifteen, I think. Uh, Ours was built nineteen oh two, so.
1: Okay, so uh, the what I want to encourage people to do is is try this. But when I hear the expert come on on the show and said we've been doing this too long, why is it taking a long time?
11: Uh, Well, it is uh, taking a long time by choice, I should say, not necessarily by necessity. Oh, okay. Uh, We did, uh, or I, you know, I'm of the mind that I like to do a lot of research, a lot of due diligence. Um. And uh, that sometimes takes, takes a little while to get the, the project rolling or get to the next step, et cetera. Mm-hmm.
0: Find the well, right solutions. Find the
11: right solutions. But we take it step by step. And to be honest with you, when we started in 2009 compared to where we are today, those are two completely different universes. When we started in 2009, you know, I was planning on a deep energy retrofit on a 100-plus-year-old masonry structure in Chicago, mm-hmm. trying to find out decent information on how you insulate that building without ruining it it was hard. It was hard information to find. What,
1: what did you determine was the right way to do it?
11: Um, I'm a little bit hesitant to answer that straightforward because I don't want to necessarily have everybody thinking that that's the way you do it. You need to do it by so – let me maybe preface this by you need to assess this building by building. Okay. So for our building is we basically – There's no one-size-fits-all. There is not necessarily one-size-fits-all. It depends on the, the state of the building <clears> – <throat> The shape of the building, the structure capacity of the building. Uh, so there are a whole different number of factors that need to play into it. But for, for our case, we basically use closed spray cell foam for air sealing, mm-hmm. but did that in a very diligent way because you also can use closed, say, uh, closed cell spray foam and do quite a little bit of damage to your masonry building. So we how, how would you do yeah.
1: damage by using – and it, you closed cell – closed cell? Closed cell. Closed
11: cell. Yeah, there are two types of spray forms. The one is closed cell spray mm-hmm. form. The other one is open cell spray form. Uh, the closed cell spray form has like a higher insul- insulation value.
6: Mm-hmm.
11: It's denser. It's also significantly more expensive. And if you don't use the right product, it basically doubles as a vapor barrier. And that on a masonry brick wall right. can be trouble. Because and people always refer to, like, the, the masonry brick walls have to breathe. Mm-hmm. It's not about breathing. It's about moisture movement. Like, there's always moisture movement, depending on the season that's going in or out, that's mm-hmm. going through the brick wall. If I put the wrong foam on the inside of the brick wall, I disrupt that movement, and it only can go one direction, which is out. But it can't, the brick wall basically cannot dry into the building anymore. Mm. versus they always had been built and then what
1: happens at that point
11: problems occur
1: basically well, uh, the 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 wall uh, uh, or 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 destruction of the masonry
11: i think there you you may get into structural issues because over time because the moisture the the, the vapor in the wall can't get out to the inside it mm-hmm. starts over time building up the wall gets wetter and wetter and wetter because you have put put insulation on the inside of the wall, it's now also subject to freezing. So once you have a certain moisture content in the brick, and then you get into your winter freezing, you know, you your may start, start
0: crumbling from the inside.
11: Exactly. You may start freezing up your brick. So you always want to make sure that um, your wall can properly dry out in both directions.
1: I don't know if Ron Calgill from Mighty House is listening this morning, but if he is, uh, you're welcome to weigh in, Ron, uh, uh, about any of this. Uh, shoot us a, a message or even pick up the phone. Yeah. That's fine with me. Uh, well, and anybody else wants to call, 877 711 5611. Are we still trying to give we're away? S-
0: we're, we're still. Looking for the fifth caller on the oak
1: box. Okay. You know, and, and I think people are being smart. They know if they don't have a space, they shouldn't mm-hmm. participate in the contest. And I appreciate that. We appreciate that. Uh, Marcus De La Fleur is in the studio with us. Uh, Marcus, what what background do you have that led you to doing this kind of retrofitting? Insufficient. Uh, Well, you mentioned earlier,
11: I'm a licensed registered landscape architect in the state of Illinois. So I'm not really in the building science or architecture business, really. But I had the privilege in my past work as a landscape architect to sit on what I call green teams. Mm
6: -hmm.
11: Basically, I worked on a number of projects that were lead registered. Mm-hmm. And that are possibly now lead certified. And the beauty there is that you always have these project team meetings. You were the landscape architect, the architect, the engineers. Everybody sits around the table just to make sure that we all know what we're doing. We are coordinating because a lot of these green technologies are overlapping. They're interwoven. So you need to have sort of a cross-discipline coordination going on there. And in that process, you know, I started to learn a lot about all these other disciplines. And not only that, but I also learned that, you know, all these, what we call like the the, the green development on the building side, uh, not only is it something that you know we may want to do because of the environment, but it is fiscally very the very responsible thing to do. If you own a building, then you know for me it was a no-brainer to go green because in the long run it all pays off. It all pays back. Mm-hmm. So hopefully by the time my wife and I return the building. We won't be in a situation where we have to worry about on um, how to pay our energy bills, yeah, because we basically don't have any. Uh, so those. What a wonderful thought that is! Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> You
0: know, and that's not just the spray foam insulation. That's all the ceiling penetrations, the doors, the outlets, uh, the everything.
11: We we just basically barely scratched the tip of the iceberg when mm-hmm. we were talking about the insulation. There are so many other aspects going into it. Uh, but what I always say is, you know, if you embark on this one, take a system approach. I mm-hmm. mean, what we often see is that, you know, we start green by looking at light bulbs, you know, looking at uh, Energy Star refrigerator and this and that. And I don't want to belittle that by no means, but that's not how you make the big dent. The right. big dent is, you, you know, where do I, where can I make the biggest dent for the yeah. least amount of
1: buck? And, yeah. I've, and I've said this before on the show, and, I, and I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, but it's really important because I've talked to our friend Lisa Albrecht uh, from the Illinois Solar Energy Association and to Ron Calgill and to other people uh, about, gee, wouldn't it be fun to get solar uh, on the house? And, and they all look at me and they say, fix the other stuff first, mm-hmm. get your insulation in order, and, and deal with some of the other issues before you start thinking About alternative energy sources, and they're right because cut all the air leakage, right? And you can cut that stuff. And have I done it? No, not really. I've done some, Mm a little bit. You know, uh, it takes time. It takes a long time and and commitment. For instance, I I live in a frame house that's got no insulation between the out wall, the wood out wall, and the in wall, Um, plaster house. Obviously, Um, I need to get that foam in there. I need to get the insulation in. It's a big house and it's going to take a lot of effort uh, and and money uh, and, money and w- w- what Ron says, you know, you can do it uh, a room at a time, a mm-hmm. floor at a time, an area at a time and, and work your way towards it. And that's what yeah. we, in fact, we think we might be doing that part of the house, the upstairs trying to get some of that insulation in very, very soon. So we're looking and forward to That's, that's
0: <laughs> kind of what I did, too, was a room at a time of take it all down, fix the insulation, change the windows, fix everything. Yeah. So it was contained in one project.
11: If, if we do it in, in, in monetary terms, I'm using complete bogus numbers here. Yeah. But let's say, you know, you have an unimproved house and you want to install a, a solar system to cover your energy usage. And let's say the solar system costs you $10,000. You may be way better off taking 5000 of those $10,000, fix up the house first, meaning that you made energy efficient. You insulated it. You made it airtight and all that stuff then you have $5,000 left. But now the building is so efficient that your solar system may only cost you $3,000. So you may have saved you know, a good $2,000 right there. Plus the solar system has become so small now that it actually fits on your roof. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whereas previously it may have been so big that you know you would have put it on the roof and in the garden.
1: Um, uh, and so and that's just some of the technological change that's happened since 2009. Yeah. Uh, you You said you started out doing these projects and it was hard to find the information. And now... Uh, things have changed in nine years. A lot has yeah, changed yeah, in in this field. It does. It, it ha- not only has a lot of change, but a lot
11: of more building science research has come out. Uh, and you know, this is sort of specific to 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 our building, as we have a typical Chicago masonry two flat. But then again, it's not. I mean, you know, how many structures in Chicago are of that kind? Mm-hmm. But the problem is the majority of information out there on deep energy retrofits is on frame structures. So if you own a frame structure like you, Mike, you should have any problem finding all the information you need. Really? So frame is is the easy one. Frame is very easy. It's the masonry structures that are difficult because they are a fairly rare breed in the United States other than in the big cities.
1: Ah, oh, that, that makes sense. Uh, by the way, that's Marcus Steele of Fleur. And you should know the reason, one of the reasons he's on the show <laughs> after nine years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is that he's going to be speaking at the Impact Conference that's put on by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association? Let me do a real quick background on that. Here's the way it works: About uh, 16 years ago, I helped start an organization called MELA, the Midwest Ecological Landscaping Association. It became the Illinois or the Midwest Ecological Landscape Alliance, but it was still MILA, M E L A. And a bunch of like-minded people said, you know, uh, we really need to have our landscapers get on board uh, with environmentally sane techniques because too many people are not doing that. And it was unorganized. And there's there are scattered organizations around the country like the Ecological Landscaping Association out east and others. But there's not enough. And in 2002, we said, okay, let's uh, – Let's ride the wave and we'll get the word out. And then, you know, in 15 years, nobody will need this organization. And what we have discovered is it's actually it might even be a little worse than it was, with maybe the exception that people are growing more natives than I think they did 15 years ago. Uh, And we're going to get into that in just a second with Marcus. Uh, So. The long story short, the organization ran out of money. So way those things go? Organizations live. They die. Fortunately, the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association uh, saw the need for what we were doing in Mila. Uh And I and I and I will be the first to admit that for many years, I mean, I helped start it. I it ran off my computer for years and then I just kind of ducked out and said, I'm OK, carry oh, on. Someone folks. else's turn. Somebody else do it. And then so uh, Ilka comes in and says, hey, Uh, We need this. Uh, We know your organization can't stay around anymore. How about we'll absorb some of the members into ours and we'll have a a sustainable committee, committee that you can be on. And we'll put this conference together because Mila used to put a conference together every year about sustainable landscaping. Well, this is the second year that ILCA has put on their impact conference, which is the Sustainable Landscaping Conference. And uh, it was very successful last year. Peggy and I are going to be there this year. We're going to be doing Facebook Live from there on the 16th of October. Uh, and one of the speakers is Marcus. And what is it that you and all the information, by the way, is at my website, Mike Or you can go to I L C A dot net slash impact hyphen conference or just go to my website. Uh, so what do you plan to present at the impact conference, Marcus?
11: Um, I'm presenting on the subject of
1: sustainable stormwater management. Mm -hmm. Which Uh, is all part of the footprint. I mean, we just were talking about insulation, that sort of thing. But you can't ignore the vegetation around your house, right? No, not really can you ignore the vegetation
11: around the house. But because we are living in the Midwest, uh, one of the most effective ways to uh, Mm -hmm. do sustainable stormwater management is to actually... Combine it with the use of our native vegetation. That really begins to drive the system, particularly on the non-structural part. And we can talk on a little bit about what non-structural and structural means.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we, we definitely will because we've got about a minute here, and then we're going to have to break. So, uh, and one of the things that I want people to chew on <laughs> before we we come back is something you and I talked about the other day, which is it's great to plant natives in your yard, and we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. But as you say, it's hard to find people who will maintain those natives uh, for you. It's hard to find the expertise. The people are possibly there, but we need the expertise. Well, it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? (laughs) We're splitting hairs here. Okay, okay. that's what we're going to talk about. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Marcus De La Flores in studio. We will be right back.
7: Want to have a healthier, more eco-friendly Green Diva Kitchen? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The main characteristics of a Green Diva Kitchen are that it produces delicious food, is healthy, eco-friendly, and low stress. Let's start by using more dish towels and cloth napkins because paper products make up one-third of municipal waste. Buying bulk dry goods saves money and reduces waste. Please recycle more. An estimated 80% of what Americans throw away is recyclable, yet our recycling rate is only 28%. Consider composting. It's easier than you think, and even if you live in an urban area, there are often municipal composting programs. And, of course, always try to buy local and organic food whenever possible. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at... The dot com
1: whether it's March, July, September, or December. If you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, regional reports, what to do in the garden, and even my column on the inside page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines on newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600 your talk
11: this is your talk only on
8: 1590 your talk wcgo evanston chicago
0: this is not normal
1: That's what we're doing here. We do it every Sunday morning on the Mike Novak Show, uh, especially to those people looking for help with their gardens, looking for help with their homes. Mm-hmm. That's why we have Marcus De Lafleur here in the studio. We're going to get back to him in just a second. We want to give away something really quick.
0: Yeah, got a, got a shout-out to our friends at the Firehouse Grill, the great supporter of 1590 WCGO. Don't miss out on the best happy hour in Evanston at the Firehouse Grill, they say, uh, which is Tuesday through Thursday from 3 to 6. Uh, Firehouse is at 750 Chicago Avenue, and we have a $10 gift certificate for what, the third caller?
1: Um, sure. Third sure. caller.
0: Third caller at 877 711 5611 wins a $10 gift certificate to the Firehouse Grill in Evanston.
1: Thank you, Firehouse Grill. Back to Marcus D. Lafleur and Natives, we had a little bit of that conversation on the Facebook end of things, but let's bring that to uh, the AM signal here. Um, we were talking about leaving the Benjamins behind, which is uh, part of the talk you're doing. Uh, would you care to explain that one more time to uh, the folks listening on the radio? Yeah, so my presentation is, uh, is
11: titled, uh, or oh, help me out. What was the title again?
0: Water and the Benjamins, uh, actually Blue and Green, blue, Water and the Benjamins. Blue and
11: Green, Water and the Benjamins. So how the title came about is that we talked about a bit earlier that it's hard to find the expertise um, to actually maintain some of these native landscapes. Now, there are tons of landscape companies and landscape crews out there that you know, maintain our status quo landscape. They know their job very well. They do very well on that one. My argument is uh, they don't really have, these companies don't have to give anything up by taking one or two of their crews and begin to train them on the maintenance of some mm-hmm. of these native landscapes. Um, if they don't have the contracts to maintain native landscapes, those crews can continue to do what they do with the status quo landscapes, no problem at all. But the moment the first request or proposal or request for proposal rolls in, they would have those crews ready to dip into that marketplace. And by basically ignoring that marketplace and not training one or two of their crews on the natives, they're leaving money on the table because the native landscapes are out there and we are basically on the designer and engineering side, we are basically sort of in a, in a holding pattern in that we would like to design and install many, many more of those. But sometimes we sort of have to hold back because we don't have access to the crews to maintain them because we don't really want to build and install landscape without knowing that it can be maintained properly
1: mm-hmm. so that investment actually comes through. So it's this catch 22. Well, I, Okay, I have some opinions on this, having been involved with landscapers over the year, years. Um, one of which is, in my experience, and I could be wrong about this, I think it's harder to find somebody who's going to maintain a landscape than put it in. A lot of designers, installers, they want to they want to throw that puppy in there and then walk away, and because we're done, we're moving on to the next thing. Here, it seems to me the the maintenance is the hard part. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you can't find it, and, which leads to my other question. It's something we talked about the other day, which is when people sell you on native plants, they say they kind of take care of themselves. Uh, you know, once they're established, you, uh, you 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 don't have to to you, add done. pesticides yeah. and yeah, and you're right. You know, and watering is is a less of a requirement and that sort of thing. What's the flaw in that argument?
11: The flaw in that argument is that saying a landscape takes care of itself rings true as much as saying your car takes care of itself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. You know, you need to do
1: no, your, it. Doesn't. Hey, your, listen, I tell people they want a no-maintenance landscape. I say there's no such thing. Even if you put plastic, even if you put AstroTurf and plastic use, you would have to do some maintenance.
11: Absolutely. and
1: uh, uh, There are
11: different levels of Maintenance input that certain landscapes require. I give you that. Some of them are higher maintenance, some of them are lower maintenance. But you know, the the non the maintenance-free landscape that's a, a dream we are chasing. That doesn't really exist. Uh, so with that in mind, it no matter what you do, you require you will need to have some maintenance that has to go into the man- landscape
1: to sustain it over the long term. And uh, this is what you're not finding in the industry.
11: It's a mindset thing. Uh, you know, on the design side, a lot of times we sort of sell that product, like you're taking it out of the store and you're wearing it once and then it goes in the closet. But that doesn't work with landscapes. You know, you, you need to sort of keep them maintained. And again, like I said earlier, depending on what landscape you have, it may take more maintenance, it may take less maintenance. What I would like to think is that some of the native installations we have, uh, overall, the course of a year may take less than an equivalent uh, conventional landscape. Uh, And that is, you know, let's say, um, I mean, if I replace native vegetation with turf grass, that's an unfair comparison. But if I compare, like, a native planting with a conventional planting, then the native one may come uh, out ahead because that overall may require less maintenance than the conventional planting.
1: Well, (laughs) I I think of the conventional planting, if you have uh, hydrangeas or pachysandra or... Uh, almost any kind of uh, ornamental roses, mm-hmm. um, they all require work. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but natives do too, because uh, in the spring, say you've got grasses, um, you're going to probably cut those to the ground. So you've got to come out and do some maintenance in the spring to rejuvenate the, uh, the, uh, the uh, landscape that you have. The,
11: the, the highest concentration of maintenance does occur in the spring. And uh, in some cases, uh, you may need to cut stuff back. Um, spring cleaning, as we call it, or some call it, but actually for the native vegetation, what you really would like to do, if you can, you would like to burn it back, burn it down.
1: But a lot of places can't. You can't do that. So
11: that is also a myth. Oh really? <laughs> yes. I mean, okay. If if you have your rain garden with native vegetation coming right up to your vinyl siding, then of course you don't want to burn that. Mm-hmm. But you'd be surprised how many smaller native landscapes you actually can burn. And again, there are professionals out there that do that for a living. If you're unsure, call them. They come out, they take a look, and they will let you know, yes, you can burn this one, or no, you cannot burn this one, because they know what to look for. And is that part of the maintenance that you're talking about? The native vegetation of our prairies is what we call a, a pyrophytic ecosystem. They basically have evolved with fire. So by burning them back every spring, I really get the most out of the landscape year after year after year. Because those plants respond respond extraordinarily well to the fire treatment.
1: And, 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 but the point I'm making is: is this the kind of maintenance that you can't find? That you that you that
11: is part of it. Actually, finding that maintenance is almost a little bit easier than finding then a crew who can come back for the rest of the summer to check for. Uh, the voluntary species that grow in the in the plantings that we don't want, that we want to ke- keep under control, that we want to pull out. Right. That expertise is almost a bit harder to That's find. That's hard. The, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: It is. I mean, uh, let's take, for example, something we're going to talk about on this show very, very soon, because I've talked about it before, which is, the weed ordinance in Chicago and in other cities where people get fined $600 because they're growing native plants. And the city says, well, the, the law tells you you can't have anything above 10 inches in your yard. And so they slap these fines on people. And in the city, uh, workers have no idea. They can't tell the difference between overgrown turf grass and native plantings. And that's insane. That's nuts. And that just tells you that there's no education out there for these municipal workers. But that's so this is this is part of the issues too, but we only have a few more minutes. I want to get to something that you uh you work on a lot and that we haven't really touched on we've only touched a little bit is 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 water maintenance on your property that's mm-hmm. a that's a big deal too because i I assume I look at my own property and I go this is it's chaos, the water maintenance now in my backyard, it's better than my neighbors if only because I'm a gardener, and my yard is not compacted beyond uh, all repair. Mm-hmm. Whereas the compacted lawn next door becomes a lake in a rainstorm. Mine drains. But part of that lake comes into my yard mm-hmm. because they have compacted soil. So we're not really paying attention to water management on our properties, are we? No, we don't. And that's, those are the calls I'm getting. People
11: basically having flooding issues on their property at the small scale, the big scale. That's why I come in usually. I do a lot of residential work. Yeah, well, I'm you know analyzing what's going on and then make my recommendations how we could fix it. That is where the sustainable stormwater management treatment can come in. Uh, we can work in terms of of with bioswales, rain gardens. We can do rainwater harvesting. We can do all sorts of measures to actually take what previously has been considered waste, which is rainfall, and actually turn it into an asset, which is water, mm-hmm. and uh, move it through and into the landscape in a way that makes sense, in a way that uh, fits the original historic hydrology. And thus, we can significantly reduce the
1: risk of flooding. And folks, if they want that information, they can just go to your website and then contact you. Uh, It is de lafleur, and that's spelled D-E-L-A-F-L-E-U-R dot com. You have a blog as well, so you, you, you write about these things. Um, I've been meaning to talk to you for nine years about coming to my house and how do I get the, you got to understand, I live in smack in the middle of the city and the house next to me is five feet away in this tiny little gangway. Mm -hmm. And I, but water gathers there in that gangway and the concrete is broken up anyway. And I'm thinking, well, you know what I should, and, and half of it leaks into my basement and I'm thinking, how do I channel that water out of that tiny little space so it's not going into my basement? And then, of course, I got my neighbors who bring water into my basement from the other side because they've got their compacted soil. I mean, these are all issues I'd love to address, but it seems overwhelming to me. Is it overwhelming? It, it, if you're a
11: property owner, it, it is overwhelming. I can totally get that and not constantly run into this one. And, you know, think about this way. I mean, you know, most throughout the year, it doesn't matter. It's like that one or two times a year where we get that one storm. Right. That causes you to the, have the water in the basement. And the problem right now with the way we are going is that these events intend or, or, or seem to become more frequent and even more intense. So the problem starts getting worse over time, the climate change, et cetera. Um, so we are, trying, we are trying to nip it in the bud by coming up with a solution to redirect the water in a more sustainable way and uh, prevent those items like, you know, having the water p- uh, pond in
1: the gangway and then ending up in the basement. Right. What's the, uh, we got a minute. What's the simplest thing people can do to start that process?
11: Thinking through it in a logical way. Um, just thinking about the easy stuff, throwing a rain barrel under the downspout, doesn't really make a dent. Think about where's the water coming from, how much is there, where is it going, and once you understand that process, then you can actually come up with a solution
1: how to manage it. Wow. This is a guy who comes on the show. He says, here's the solution. Think about it. Do some research. Figure it out. Nobody wants to figure stuff out, <laughs> They <Mark>? call me. <laughs> That's right. That's Marcus Flor. Stick around. Now, Rick DeMaio, our meteorologist, is coming up. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll talk about rain. Oh, boy.
0: The 11th Annual Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 3rd, and we hope you'll join us there. New this year is the Clean Transportation Exhibit, featuring electric cars and bikes. The College Solar and Super Mileage Team race cars are back, and this year they're bringing a hybrid engine truck. The Expo also features a 2,500-gallon fish tank where you can see many species of Fox River fish. Visit with area farms, CSAs, and other organizations to learn about local agriculture. And, of course, there's 100 green exhibits, local food purveyors, sustainable artists, and vendors of all kinds. They'll even be on-site battery recycling. Did I mention that the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? Mike and I will be there, and you should join us. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 3rd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash greenexpo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765. If you're a landscaper, educator, administrator, or even a homeowner who's figured out that uh, a couple of junipers and a lawn just ain't sustainable, the 2018 Impact Conference is for you. Presented by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, this day-long event looks at how plant communities, soil, natural lawn care, stormwater management, and designing for habitat are long overdue parts of smart landscaping. Impact is October 16 at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Go to ilca.net impact conference
8: this is your talk. You want to just put in hashtag in any of your social media, hashtag 1590
1: WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, one of the people in the world who makes my dreams come true is you saw where i was going with that peggy didn't you is rick de our meteorologist rick good morning
8: uh the color of the day kind of reflects the mood
1: doesn't it uh, yeah yeah but things change things get better uh i want to oh uh,
8: they do i don't think things have changed for a while based on this number Five, uh, uh, hey i don't know uh, the
0: wildcats won yesterday so so there you go
8: that's true that's true wisconsin won blackhawks won the Yankees won. How about my Aaron Judge? Right, everybody, all rise for the Judge.
1: Hey, uh, uh, Rick, baseball season's over. Sorry, yeah. I hate to be the guy, <laughs> I hate to be the one to break it to you, but the baseball season is over. All right, I, honestly, yeah, at least
8: the Cubs had actually two chances to win at home, and they blew both of them. They oh, had yeah. two extra bases. <laughs> the uh,
1: what and uh, what I what I'm saying now. My my meme on that is. The curse is back! Yeah! All right. The cur- I mean, come on. Tell me about it. This is this is going to be the Cubs' future now. They're, they're, people will remember 2016, and they'll say, yeah. yeah, they actually won a World Series, and it will never happen again. Ever. Isn't that
8: amazing? Because when the, when the White Sox won in 2005, it was like, wow, this is great. We had a great team in 13 years later when the Bears won in 85. It's been 33 years since the Super Bowl victory. That's unbelievable. That's Chicago. 33 years. Mm-hmm. That's how
1: Chicago rolls. Uh, okay. You yeah. know? Yep. So, yeah, uh, know. hey, listen, I want to introduce you to Marcus De La Fleur, uh, landscape architect. He's uh, in the studio with us. And before you got on board, we were talking about draining. Stuff, drainage in your yard, uh and yeah, yeah, i
8: was, I was listening to you guys. Yeah, by the way, um am I the caller called i that oak box? I'm just wondering.
1: <laughs> if you wanted, we 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 could probably arrange that. So can at
0: least get you a firehouse mean, gift certificate.
1: You have room on your property there for oak trees, don't you?
8: Um I have room on my property other than an apartment. I don't know if I have oh, okay. I have to cut down a few other trees.
1: Oh well then put an oak tree. Well then no, you're yeah. not no, you're not eligible. Okay.
8: No, I'm not. But they did cut down a tree uh, about two months ago on my corner, which we knew was dying a long time ago. And it's, but you know now they just leave the stumps in the ground. So what's up with that? You know. So really? we, have, we have That's that's to be your next new plan, Mike and Peg. Is what to do with the stumps in Chicago? all the trees they keep cutting uh, down. wait
1: wait 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 that's that's an easy one they grind them now they've got the technology to just grind those stumps out so it, it that'll really? that'll probably happen <laughs> I, I think that'll happen they soon they have the technology
0: but it's a, it's a different crew it's another thing right it's well, probably a different crew that comes by uh,
1: I don't know yeah because
8: probably it, yeah. about a year or two about a year or two later <laughs> once, once, we get, once we get the Supreme Court to go the other way that's when the stumps will be removed I guess
1: listen I got, oh, dear. I, got I got played by the Forestry Department a few years ago when they were doing the sewers in my street and they ripped up the trees like crazy you know the trucks come and they just bump and they're jagged branches and and i had the forestry department on the show and i said hey you guys going to come and fix that oh don't worry we'll be out there real soon uh (laughs) still waiting uh, yeah i'm still waiting for some of it so
8: waiting
1: yeah i think you caught it all we were talking about (laughs) weather and drainage right uh yeah yeah, Yeah. marcus what were you going to say there i'm sorry. Uh,
11: you look at the budget. There, there is no money left for park benches. So all we get is stumps.
8: <laughs> there you go. I like that. I like that That's one. Here, here, here is your park bench. Exactly. Have a, have a stump. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so yeah, we yeah. were we're talking about. Uh, Marcus brought up how climate change is is creating these intense storms. Uh, and the mid the 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 manifestation of climate change in the Midwest is not necessarily solid rainfall but these storms that just dump all this rain oh yeah and yeah. and it happens a couple of times a year and the rest of the time as a homeowner you're not thinking about it but then when you see a forecast right. K- when then i have you on the show and you say yeah we could get two or three inches out of this i start thinking uh-oh basement watch yeah. mm-hmm. i'm on a basement watch mm-hmm.
8: yeah. yeah i mean it, it seems that like that's that's more the that's more the norm now it's, and it's not so much the changes to variability it's this high degrees of variability up and down of very, very dry weather and then very, very wet weather. And what people don't realize sometimes is when you have really, really dry weather for two or three weeks, the ground almost acts like concrete. So it doesn't absorb when you get really, really wet weather. So it it, it kind of works in, in the favor of flooding in two ways. You get a lot of rain for a long period of time. The ground can't soak it up. You get flooding. You get dry weather for many, many weeks. And all of a sudden you get a lot of rain. The ground can't soak it up because it's too hard. So you almost get it in two different ways, and the phenomenal amounts of rain again four inches across northern Boone and Ogle County uh, Friday night into Saturday. We got about in, probably about a half inch to a quarter inch last night. We'll probably get another half inch to maybe inch today into tonight, uh, but thankfully it will dry out a little bit for Monday, Tuesday, but then it looks very, very wet around here uh, the second half of Wednesday, and thankfully... The remnants of now what looks like to be developing a tropical de- uh, depression, uh, tropical storm, and eventually, believe it or not, guys, Category 1 Hurricane Michael, which mm-hmm. could reach the Gulf Coast by Tuesday night. Is going to produce more <laughs> flooding
1: rains in the Ohio Valley. Yeah, that's breaking news. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I saw, and uh, now that you're telling us, it might become a Category One hurricane. Marcus wanted to throw in a, a couple of a quick comment here.
11: Yeah, because really interestingly, uh, what what Rick was mentioning, like if it's really dry, the con the, the, the ground almost gets like concrete and has a hard time to absorb water, and there's a lot to it, particularly if you talk about turf grass. Yet, if you switch that landscape over to some of the native vegetation, the prairie vegetation, and get a really good matrix in there, mm-hmm. that's a very different issue. It still may not absorb water quite the same way if it would be a little bit saturated, but it does way better than the turf grass actually would do. So just switching the type of vegetation you use in landscapes can make a big difference right there already.
1: So mm-hmm. there you go. It's... Yeah, and I, and I,
8: and I think that, yeah, that's a great point that more and more people need to know about. And It's interesting to know one of my students up at College of Lake County in Gray's Lake, he helps his data with the landscaping company. And his dad has noted over the last three or four years it's become more and more difficult for him to follow the normal trends of how to do things. And he's become more and more observant and aware of all these weird changes and consequently he's had to alter his business model somewhat. Hmm. So I think you'll you'll see it trickle down into not only the people who do landscaping for a living, but people who do landscaping just for a hobby as well.
1: Uh, it's a really good point. Yes, Marcus.
11: I'm delighted to hear that. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't quite, I, I wish I would see or witness what you described a little bit more frequently, but I'm glad you see it and I hope it trickles down to us too.
1: Well, this is what uh, Rick does all the time. He draws the, he connects the dots between the climate change and our weather and business. Uh and, and, and you do this all the time, Rick, and you say, Yeah, it's gonna affect these people in this way and that it and it does, and I think other people need to make especially landscape architects need to make that connection.
8: Well and, and part of it is because the two classes that I teach at Laurel University, each semester I have two sections of forty students, and I have the non science majors, the ones who are the seniors with degrees in finance and business and economics and political science. And they're just looking to get three credits out of the way. And I stop them. I go, no, no, no. I am going to teach you about this. And I'm going to make you learn about how this is going to have an impact on your jobs when you get out of here. Um, In the next year to two years, I want you to invoke some of this in the places where you work and make the people understand this. You know, talking to the environmental science students, that's an easy one. But it's the non-science majors that they have to quote, as you mentioned, like thread the needle and connect the dots. And that actually is a lot more work for scientists to do because you have to become more of a business model and an economic uh, kind of-minded scientist, which is not always easy to do.
1: All right. Give us a quick forecast there, Rick.
8: All right. So rain today, temperatures in the 60s close to 75 to 80. Tomorrow, the warm front pushes north near 80 on Tuesday, mid-70s Wednesday with heavy rain and a very, very cool end of the week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, next week. Temperature's 10 to 15 degrees below normal. Next week, Mike, we're going to talk about a highly, highly, highly variable pattern for the second half of the month of October that's really, really interesting.
1: Oh, cool. All right. We'll talk to you then. Thank you, Rick. Uh, Sounds good. I want to thank Mark Dvorak, Stephanie Schro, Joey Holly Baird, Marcus De La Fleur, uh our Randall and Ellie and Andrew. Until next time, go green or go home.
4: Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.
0: Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more.